What if we took away all the lights? Hand all the music. What if we took away all the people? What if we took away all the social media platforms? What would your foundation be? What would you stand on? Jesus said that the mysteries of the kingdom of God were given for us to know, but they were given to them in parables. Everything that we believe and everything that we stand on is found in the foundation of these parables. Through parables, Jesus taught about love. Through parables, Jesus taught about mercy. Through parables, Jesus taught about forgiveness and the reconciliation of the world. He used parables to fight the religious leadership of his day. That is the move of God for this day, for this age. We are changing religious perspective. It is time that we get back to the basics. It's time that we get back to the understanding of the kingdom. It's time that we go back to the feet of the cross. We take these parables and we dissect these and we understand who it is that we're supposed to be in the kingdom so that we can go out and we can bring other people in so that Jesus can love them, so that Jesus can reveal himself to them, so that God will be glorified. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another installment in the Indeed and In Truth Ministries podcast series. I'm Logan. I'm Amber. I'm Brandon. I'm Jason. And Brandon is plugged in this week. So we apologize because there were some technical difficulties and we recorded an entire episode that was supposed to air this past week. And when we did that, it didn't quite turn out like it was supposed to. So um, because I messed up and forgot to plug in the microphone. Anyways, we're not going to throw stones. So... uh yeah, so that's that's it. That's it. So how's everybody doing? It's been a, been a bit of a break. We're not ignoring people. We're not um, letting go of responsibilities. We've just been super, super busy. And actually, we're already a week later than what we wanted to be because uh, we just did VBS, too. I want to say our summers are kind of winding down as we get towards the end of it. But um, yeah. So anybody got anything? Amber, do you want to give them the rundown of where they can get a hold of us if you remember it? <laughs> I remember it. I've only said it like 50,000 times, but yeah, you can get a hold of us on fifth Facebook, on Instagram. Uh, you can go to our website, indeedandintruthministries.org, and hit the little contact tab. That's that's all? Yep. Okay, yeah, so that's all. We got ebooks on there. We're working on free resources and stuff like that for people. Um, Jason, how about an update on our nursing home ministry from your end of town? So I don't, I don't want to reveal too much of it, but God opened up, um, uh, justification for me or not justification, sanctification. So now we're going to do a pretty long, extensive series on what it means to be sanctified and what it takes to be sanctified. So I'm pretty excited to see what God does with that. Um, honestly, it's always, it's always going to be good to be in the presence of these people that desire the the learning of the Lord, but it's just an overall blessing when you know God's moving in a certain, certain way and opening doors up for you too. Amen. Um, as far as the bus, we've uh, got a lady in there right now. She had some kind of a seizure, not a seizure, um, some kind of a stroke that's like killed half of her face. And like I prayed for and like seemed like things were like kind of straightening up and stuff like that. Like her face kind of set on medicine but like a couple of weeks ago, I was preaching in there. I was reading a book. And after I finished, this guy goes, aren't you going to preach again? I said, yeah. He's like, but we're just reading this book right now. 
And it's just, it really embodies the character in this book really embodies the idea of what I was talking about, about how to just be available to people and just love on people and how, what, what Jesus's expectation about who we should be to people is. And his character does a really, really good book job about that. And so I was trying to, you know, read through that or whatever. So then I preached for an extra half hour after that. And I said, there, are you happy? And he poked his head up and was all smiles. And, but she, she's been really waiting on medicine and I just kept telling her, I said, look, I said, I can't explain to you why God does something in one person's life and doesn't do it in another person's life. I said, I don't understand that. I said, but I will stand here and continue to pray with you until we see something change. I said, I'm not going to back up from something like that. And I was telling them some stories about me and Amber and stuff like that. I said, you know, and was having issues with her back all the time. You know, there's times I walked in, I hugged her one time. And next thing you know, she just like laid down on the floor. And before you know it, the back pain was gone. There's another time that I had a vision where God was like smack her in the back. Like, yeah, that's that's going to be great. Yeah, let's just hit her. And so she asked me to pray for her. <laughs> I was reminded of the vision, man. I hauled off and smacked her in the back. Pain was gone. I don't know why. God, you know, I didn't know. So anyways, saw her this week and her face is starting to pick up again. And so uh, I saw her. I said, hey, I said, your face is looking better. And, and, and Passy's like, yeah, yeah, I noticed that, too. It is, isn't it? Like she's getting kind of worked up a little bit. So it was just cool. But I'm hoping to see God finish that. Um, I can't remember what they called that stroke. Do you remember? It started with a B. I don't remember. Yes. Yes. That. Yes. That. That's what it's like. The whole like left half of her face. Just it's just gone. It's just. Yeah. I'm going to have to pick your brain about that when we get done recording. How about you, Brandon? What are you doing? Newlywed. Oh, God, I'm being modest. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> so uh, this week we're going to get into we're going to pick up on our parable series and we're going to get back into them. And so we're going to be talking about um, the labors in the vineyard. Uh, and so who has this pulled up and they want to read this real quick? Go ahead. It's It's about 16 or 17. Yeah, go ahead. OK, Um. Matthew 21 through 16 says for the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into the vineyard and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right. I will give you. And they went their way again. He went out about in the sixth and ninth hour and did likewise. And about the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing idle and saith unto them, why stand ye here all day? all the day idle. And they said unto him, because no man hath hired us. And he said unto them, go ye also into the vineyard and whatsoever is right. That also shall you receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto the steward, call the laborers and give them their hire beginning from the last unto the first. And when they had came, they, that and when they had came that were hired about the 11th hour and received every man a penny but when the first came they supposed that they should have received more and they likewise received every man a penny and when they had received it 
they murmured against the good man of the house saying these last have wrought but one hour and thou hast made them equal unto us which have borne and burdened the heat of the in the heat of the day but he answered on one to them and said friend do i do thee no wrong didst not thou agree with me for a penny take that take that thine is and go thy way i will give unto this last even as unto thee is it not lawful for me to do what i will with my own is thy eye evil because i am good is the last so the last shall be first and the first shall first last for many is called, but few are chosen. Sorry, I'm having a hard time seeing. It's okay. Hey, Brandon, you want to crack this thing open? What you got? So I, I assumed it was about uh, salvation and people putting their hands to the plow. And basically those that uh, received the wages of their, you know, workmanship and things like that is he's basically saying um you know you're all getting paid so like we're all receiving salvation we're all getting eternal life and things like that so um the one thing though is like they complained complained and murmured a lot and so they they thought it was unfair and to me it's for those type of people that maybe didn't go out and do the work and and the things that they were you know supposed to do so that's that's kind of what was brought to my mind okay <clears throat> how about you jason i would have to say that uh, a big thing that that jesus is getting across here is that if we get prideful in our walk with god we can uh we can find ourselves looking at our brothers and sisters our fellow laborers in a in an odd light thinking that we're we're better than them or we deserve more than they do because we've been at this longer we've been working at it longer but the truth is is that in the eyes of god he sees us as as equal brothers and sisters we're not we're not one greater than the other so you know his uh it, we're even taught this later in um in the book of acts where god is no respecter of persons you know so we have to understand that when when God's looking at us and viewing us as the workmen that he's set to to labor amongst the the people amongst the sheep now we are set apart so that we can call those closer to God and if we're doing that then why should we be upset when we have somebody else come closer and they receive the blessings that we receive as well so i just think that Jesus was kind of giving us the understanding of the dangers of of us taking our eyes off of it being God's kingdom because look at the how the laborers viewed it. The ones that had been there all day, they felt entitled because they'd been in it working all day. But at the at the end of the day, it's not even the laborer that labored all day that that did the blessing. It was the one that was the owner of the vineyard, the owner, the goodman of the house. He's the one that offers blessing. He's the one that offers the the work to be done. He's the one that calls you out of yourself and calls you in to be chosen. So well, honestly, I had gathered a lot of stuff out of this, to be honest. I Well, first, I like what Jason had said and what Brandon had said. It really touches on that workmanship and um, doing those things. But another part I want to point out is 
when I was reading it is the vineyard itself. And it says that it's like unto the kingdom of God, the vineyard. What is, I mean, we went over the parable of the wine and the wine and all of that and the presses of the wine and the new wine and all of those different things. And not only that, but the rapture is also referred to as the wedding, which is the first place that Jesus had ever really performed a miracle was at a wedding and he turned the water into wine. And, you know, I really started thinking about that during this um, because of, you know, we're waiting on that wedding day and what are we doing in that time? Are we, are we bringing people in? Are we um, doing our part on that? Or are we just kind of like, you know, I'm just going to receive my award and call it done. So I think a lot of that kind of went through my mind when I was reading this. So I agree with you guys. I think that one of the, obviously one of the main points he's pointing out here is we're in pursuit of salvation, right? And what he's saying is, you know, the first will be last, the last will be first. So no matter what, like Brandon said, we're all pursuing and we're all going to obtain salvation. But we do know that based upon works that we performed on the earth, there's reward that's laid up. There's treasures, obviously, that can be stored up. And so a couple of scriptures that I grabbed, one of them was 2 Timothy 2, 10. It says, therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And so we've got to remember, I think, that whenever we're out in the field, see, because the purpose of doing this series is because I want to draw attention to the parables and how the apostles extracted their doctrine from what Jesus taught them and told them. It was not called Jesus's doctrine. It was called the apostles doctrine. And the Bible says in Acts that they continued in the apostles doctrine. Where did they get doctrine and understanding from? They got it from what Jesus taught to them. And so they were responsible. And we've talked about this before. He told Peter, he said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And whatsoever you bind on earth will be let bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so they were responsible for building the first century church. And unfortunately, we've strayed away from some of those things. Again, like I said, purpose of going back into this. But I think about this because I found as I've been studying through these everywhere in scripture, I can drag and come back and say, hey, Jesus was talking about this. Hey, Jesus was talking about this. Hey, Jesus was talking about this. And it's no different than what we do when we write books. It's no different than what we do when we write materials and we say, hey, no, it's not scripture. It's not canon, but it is a reference to something that we've already got a revelation about. And so he says, I therefore endure all things for the elect's sake. So when we're in the field, I think it's super important that we remember we're not just there for ourselves. And there are going to be people, you know, there's going to be people. I'm praying that there's people. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? And I'm hoping that there are people genuinely getting saved and having experiences with Christ the day he cracks the sky, because those kinds of people. And unfortunately, uh, I really do believe that the people who are going to be filled with offense and aggravation because, oh, well, they get to go up with me. Those are the kinds of people who's going to get left behind. And those are the kinds of people who's going to have to go through all the other nasty stuff that's that's involved with that. But another one that, you know, just kind of keeping that kind of stuff in mind, keeping that thing like we're not just in here for us. We're not about in here like what you said, building a brand. We're building the kingdom and we are supposed to be we got to do that one soul at a time. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's everything that we do. You know, my work is not a work in an evangelist, you know, and we've got to quit getting it. We got to quit getting offended at evangelists when they produce 30,000 salvations in one run and then they move on to the next. Well, you know what? Those people get passed off to a pastor. The evangelist doesn't stay there and take care of them. They just, they go on. You see what I'm saying? Just like when an apostle comes in and sets a church and builds a house, it's not his job to do anything except for set the doctrine of the house, 
set leadership in the house, point people over, lay hands on them, pray and move on. You're not going to find any instances in scripture where they were constantly going back and micromanaging what they set that pastor to do. With the exception to times you'll find that Paul was more periodically, he spent a lot of time visiting churches and stuff like that. Um, But again, that was his law. Just because one apostle does it that way doesn't mean the next one's going to do it that way. Just because one prophet prophesies like this doesn't mean another one's going to do it. You know, I remember two things I've seen or heard stories about. Uh, One of those things was I'd never heard somebody prophesy in rhymes. Never heard anybody do that in my life. And all of a sudden I met a prophet and he can prophesy in rhymes. And so, you know, it's God, because how do you come up with something that fast? Like, don't get me wrong. Like rappers are good, but they got to think about it for a quick second. You know what I mean? This dude would just roll it off his tongue. And then the other person I heard about this guy would uh, numbers. God would use him for house numbers. And he would spit an address off and he's like, who is that? And that person would stand up and he'd prophesy whatever God told him to tell him. And he would just keep right on moving. So not one person does everything the same way. You see what I'm saying? Our relationship with the Holy Ghost and the anointing is what determines what's going to actually take place and unfold in our life and how supernatural things are going to be for us. And so, again, being in the fields, I think it's important that we remember that these people are here and they're here to help you and not be a problem for you. You know what I'm saying? And like what you said, getting, getting frustrated with them and thinking, oh, well, um, you know, they're just in my way or they're just this, or, you know, I brought it up the last time we were trying to record, you know, somebody comes in and works at something for 10 or 15 years, they can't get it done. And then all of a sudden somebody like us comes in and we blow it wide open. You know how many people stopped me and told me that how many times they try to put concerts on and how many times they try to do this and how many times they try to do this. And they could not believe our success rate at it. Now, thank God for Steve and Sharon and thank God for you guys and all these people who came together and help us do that because me and Amber did not do that on our own. You know, God blessed it and increased it, but it was just crazy because people have tried to do this and they couldn't do it. And then people were getting mad about it. You know what I'm saying? Because they weren't able to crack through. And I don't know what to tell you. You couldn't break through it. But why would you get mad? You get to take in the award. I I think a lot of it is it comes down to seed time and harvest. There's there's somebody that's going to come through and they're going to plant the seeds. There's somebody that's going to come through and they're going to water the seeds. And then there's somebody that's going to come through and harvest the seeds. You know, who knows if before that, before we came in and busted that open, who knows that somebody wasn't watering it before us? And who knows that somebody didn't plant the seed long before they watered it? Like, we don't know. So I think with that, it just comes back to seed time and harvest time and the connection in that parable that Jesus had spoke about that. And that's something that God's really been working with me on is connections in the Bible. And I was just telling Jason that before the podcast and Ann Brandon, we were sitting in there and I was talking about that, about how there's so many connections. And I have been praying that God shows me how these things connect in every area. And he's been, he's been faithful in that. And he's been showing me different things. And that's one of the things that he showed me is everything in this light, even back in, I want to say it's in Exodus maybe where it talks about how there's a time to sow. There's a time to reap. There's a time for harvest. There's a time for seed. There's a time for everything. And I think that comes down to that. I also want to add to what you had made a comment about, um, people, people, um, that have been in ministry for a long time and how we come in. And sometimes this, especially this younger generation, we get so offended because they're up here and we're still down here. Well, you don't know what they went through to get there. And if you're jealous about where they're at, then maybe you need to press in harder and stop looking at them like that. Well, and that's the issue. I think we see people in places like pastor Dosick, you know, from the world stance, he's been overwhelmingly successful in ministry. And God's been very faithful to him. 
But when people look at that, they they don't they don't see the hours and hours of prayer and the, the all the time and you know and it, and it's worrisome sometimes because like I was just talking to Amber about this this past week, you know, the third generations generally what will screw it up for everybody else, which is why you only see wealth and prosperity in three generations and then it'll start over again. Takes fourth generation and all of a sudden they realize, man, great, great grandma didn't have none of this. You know what I'm saying? Can you guys honestly say that you remember anything about your great, great, great grandparents? I'm just pointing it out. So. Obviously, we have a responsibility to leave a legacy, but we still have to remember the people working with us and the people that we're laboring with. Um, something else I want to put in here is Philippians 4, 11 and 12 says, not that I speak in respect of one or that I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And, you know, he's just going on. He says, uh, I know how to be a base and I know how to abound and where all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. So there are things, obviously, even in labor, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, there are some people who got frustrated and they weren't like, they didn't seem like super, super mad, but like they seemed annoyed that these, all these young upstarts come in here and all of a sudden we pulled it off. I can't tell you why God chose to do it that way. You know what I'm saying? Now we haven't done it since, you know, not to mention all the, uh, you know, harassment we endured in the process of doing it all. But, um, yeah, we can't build a brand. And I think another thing, too, I want to add is that uh, I really think this parable was a warning, like what you said, um, that there wouldn't be a schism in the body, that there wouldn't be no frustration and agitation, you know, that we would learn how to be multiple members and learn how to make it work together. You know, I was so grateful seeing this in VBS this, this year because there was so many different people. This was probably the most diverse group. This wasn't just the regular people doing things all the time. It was, was probably one of the most diverse group of people involved and everybody was together in one purpose and it was to reach these kids. And then not just that, but for the first time that I've ever seen it happen in all the years I've been in the church, every single visitor got saved and three of their parents got saved. That has never happened in the history of the church, but it happened then. And then I even put them a step further on Thursday night and made them all raise their hands and show everybody like, and almost every single kid and every, all those parents, every and most of them, them showed up to service on Sunday. And then they showed up to service on Sunday. I couldn't believe it, but that's what we need. But it, we should be believing it. We yeah, should well, yeah. expect it to be the, the outcome. We should. we should expect it. But the problem is, is we've never broken through into that yet. Well, and again, though, let's go back to the fact that the new laborers, they sometimes see things differently. They've been they've been in a different area in a different realm in their walk that the old birds, when they're out there, man, they just they've been at it and they get kind of jaded from everything that they've gone through the war zone, so to speak, to where now they're so shell shocked that it's hard for them to even grab hold of something different. Because last time I grabbed a hold of something, it backfired on me something fierce. So you do get these kids that come along and they jump in and they're starting to work at the at the field that, that you're standing in. Next thing you know, you see an outburst of of joy from what they're doing. I mean, I could see where it could get a little bit frustrating for you. But I think that, again, this is what Jesus was reminding us. of. He even talked about it in the prodigal son. 
with the other, the older brother. Well, I assume it's the older brother. I don't know if it was the younger. I want to say it was the older brother. But the the other brother that stayed, he's he got so bitter. You know, we're going to talk about that one soon. But the fact is, is that all these relate and they correlate with one another. Yeah, these ones really do. (laughs) So when it comes down to it, though, I think a lot of it revolves around whether or not we are accepting of the people that come in around us. Because honestly, I could get I could get super jaded at some young uh, kid that comes up. Let's take, for example, Shane. Love him to death. Wouldn't be offended by anything he'd stand up to do. By the grace of God, I wouldn't. I'll put it that way. If he were called into ministry right now, I mean, we know he is. Let's be honest. We all know he is. But let's say that he was called and he was put in a position to jump in to preach on a Thursday when I was hopeful that I was going to get to preach. Now, I have to be understanding and accepting the fact that this man is cutting his teeth. He is drawing into what God is calling him to do. Who am I to tell him that, you know, hey, man, this is my time. You know, by all means, go ahead. Go go get your. Well, and that's the other thing, too, is having leadership that understands that there are other people out there. You know, sometimes you're not going to let people grow if you don't put them in a position to grow. You know what I'm saying? If you and sometimes you got to force their hand because they will stay comfortable because they can't they know that you're walking behind them and following them and following them and following them. But then when we do see them stand up, we get offended. And that's what I think he's talking about. Don't let it happen. They're going to get the same reward as you. They have salvation. And let's be real. Most ministry that you see getting built anymore today is all built on self. And I guarantee you, if I unplugged the internet, half of them would disappear because they ain't got no work to stand it. You know, I was just talking about this this past Sunday. I told these people, I said, look, I said, you know, I said, and I'm all for media. I said, I like media. I like working on media. I like being involved in media. I said, but you know, we quit making media. It's because we're too busy on the street doing something. I said, it's not because, you know, we're just messing around or whatever. I says, cause we got other things going on. I said, that's the only time we're not producing media. I said, then when we are freed up, we come back and we make more, you know, anyways, you got something we got. Yeah. So like, I'm just wanting to touch on what, like Jason was saying, uh, cause in the scripture, it says that they were disgruntled and they were complaining and everything. And we are called to work with others. Paul spoke about it brilliantly and said, we are called as one body. We can't forget that we all work together, even though you see somebody who has, you know, a calling or or something on their life. It does not demean who you are, the value of who you are. We're all called as one body, but many members. The foot can't do it without the hand, the hand without the foot and the eye without the head. So like we just have to be prepared to be able to encourage those people and possibly teach them and what and how to do those things and how to react. Well, I just want to add to that too. Like you have so many people today that want to be a head and not a hand or not a foot or not an ear. You have so many people that want to be seen and, and it doesn't matter if they're, speaking what they need to be speaking or not. And that's what Jesus had warned us about is there going to be so many people out there that do. And they're, and, and they're going to teach you stuff. That's not okay. They're going to twist doctor and they're going to do these things because they're seeking self first. And that's something that I I've noticed a lot, especially on media is they, they have taken up so much of the platform. God even asked me one time, he said, do you see an altar or do you see a stage? 
So now I ask myself every single time I step into a new church or, or if I go to visit or whatever I'm doing, which I don't do that often. I'm just saying like, if I were, that's the first thing I'm going to ask myself, is it an altar or is it a stage? Is, are they showing or are they worshiping? Are they really getting into it or are they just putting on a show? Are they just teaching just to be heard and be noticed? Or are they really, is their heart and their emotions and their everything in this? Like, I, I want to see those things. And that's what I ask God for. And I think a lot of that comes down to humility. A lot of the things that we're talking about right now comes down to humility. And I think the church we as the church lack a lot of it. We don't want to bring ourselves so low because we don't want to see ourselves in this place. Because once we get ourselves in that, that lowliness, we start thinking, Oh, I'm just dirt. And then we start seeing ourselves as grasshoppers. Like pastor Phil had talked about this past Sunday, we get to a place of humility where we start seeing ourselves as grasshopper grasshoppers instead of seeing ourselves as the way God sees us. So I think a lot of times we, we put ourselves in a position where it's either I'm a, I'm on the pedestal or I'm not like it's, I'm either dirt or I'm, I'm right hand of God. Like I, I, I think a lot of times we forget there, we have to be in between. We have to be right here. Well, I don't even think it's about being in between. It comes back to being content with where you're working at. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I mean. So to add to that, and then we're going to close, I got first Corinthians 12 and it goes to like what, uh, um, what Brandon was saying He's, but is talking about those bodies. He said, but nay, and starting in 22, said, nay, much more, those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. So the, like you said, I, I, I don't know if I can be a hand or I want to be a hand, I'm a hand, but I want to be an eye or I'm a, I'm a heart, but I want to be a liver. You know what I'm saying? So like we start going around all this stuff. And what he's saying is saying is even these pieces that you don't think is necessary these little low level places that you don't even think is worth your time. Those are probably some of the most necessary thing. You know how important it is to have somebody in a multi-church organization who knows how to file paperwork correctly, because come audit time, you're going to hope and pray to God that you've got it all together. Cause if not, the IRS is going to have a heyday with you. So, more feeble are necessary. He said, and those members of the body, which we think these are Paul's words, we think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor and upon our uncomely parts, more abundant comeliness. Then we could go a step further. He says for our comely parts have no need, but God has tempered this body together. Having giving more abundant armor to that part which lacked. And really that should just end all of the schism and all the frustration and agitation that we get when we're serving alongside other people in the church. Well, I want to be pastor's number one guy. Well, tough. I don't know what to tell you. Sometimes you're not going to be, well, I want to be, I want to be the pastor's wife's. I want to be her armor bearer. Okay. Well, what's your prayer time look like? Well, I haven't prayed in a couple of weeks. Well, why not? Well, I'm just dealing with some stuff. Okay. Did you at least take five minutes to say, God, you know what the other, you know, primarily an armor bearer's responsibility is to um, take care of whoever they're assigned to, but they also pray, they fast for them, you know, they cover them in ways that other people don't cover. They cover them in ways that even their spouses don't cover them. That is the primary function of what an armor bearer does on top of the physical service that they provide to whoever it is that they're assigned to. 
But you, you know what? Like, okay, because just because he's standing in here, and I'm not making a big deal out of it, so don't weird out on me. But Brandon is my armor bearer, and I have never seen more joy pour out of him than when he's able to help me do something that I cannot do myself. Because everybody in this room knows. I was about to say his wife is the same way. Yeah, and his wife is the exact same way. Everybody in this room knows that I am like, I will do it for me and a hundred people, but I won't let you do it for me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to run after it. But when he can do something, like a couple weeks ago, we was backed into a corner and I had no option. Like, it wasn't even a question. It was just, it was every conversation we had, it was just joy. Like, it was like, oh, hey, I'm called upon. You know, and I feel that way about pastor when he needs something for me, I get the exact same way. Like he needs me. You know what I'm saying? Um, So, I mean, yes, there's that aspect of it, too. But it is so great because when somebody actually has a revelation of how important something like that is, they can get in and work in the field right next to anybody else and and have absolutely. I don't care. You could put four apostles in front of Brandon and Emma and it wouldn't move them an inch. I mean, would they be excited about having the experience? Yes, but it wouldn't move them one inch. I was about to say, you know, that that makes me think like, you know, there's so many people out there that feel the same way about somebody like even like even us. There's people that feel that way about us or there's people that feel that way about Jason. There's people that feel that way about Brandon. There's people out there that that see you guys on this pedestal. And they're, they're not moving you from there. Like they get excited when they get to do something for you. They get excited when they get to see you. They get ex- like, it's, it's, it's insane. It's almost like, but it, is it you that they're looking at? Or is it the time that you're putting in with God? It should hopefully be that. That's, well, that's right. the hope. It's the time that you put yeah. in that they're looking at. It's the anointing. It's yes. Jesus. Well, and see, I was about to say, yes, it's the anointing. That's what they're attracted to. They see that on you and they know it's missing in their life. You know, and they might think, oh, man, I wonder if I could, you know, I wonder if I could slip in bed with them. I bet I wonder if I could get this. I wonder if I could get this. But it's not even that's not they 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 don't they don't understand what it is. You see what I'm saying? I cannot tell you how many people me and Amber have been around um, and people that I've worked around men, women. And it's like they just they just are waiting for um, a reason to do something for me. They're just waiting for a reason to sit down and talk to me. And sometimes it's frustrating, but it's like, dude, they're just attracted to the anointing. You know, it just if it radiates off. you, yeah, I mean, that's just what you know, I've had guys just walk into the room I sit in and they just had a guy do it last week and I got annoyed with him and I shouldn't have have. But he literally just walked in. I'm sitting there. And end of the day, you know, just kind of relax, getting ready to leave. We had like five, 10 minutes before we clock out. Dude literally just walks in and just sits down. That's it. He just walked in and sit down. And I was like, what we doing? <laughs> you know, Like, what are you doing in here? And uh, he's like, oh, man, it's just been a day. And he's just sat in there. You know, he could have been waiting on you to present Jesus to him in that moment. He might and have, got but I, was, I missed it. I wholeheartedly missed it. I know I did. But hey, I don't want you to miss this. So this is an opportunity. If you're hearing or talking about this and you've dealt with this, if you're frustrated about this kind of thing, look, just repent and move on from it. Just let it go. And remember, when you're working in the field, just love the people that you're working with. Take them with their flaws. Take them with their frustrations. Take them with their short scheduling. Take them with showing up late. <clears throat> Jason, uh, take them with everything else that they do. Love them through it, because one day they're going to be polished and they're going to be a diamond. And so if you don't even have the first clue what we're talking about with any of this, I want you to just take a minute here with us because we're going to give you an opportunity because the first thing that has to happen is you have to know who Jesus is. And if you don't know who Jesus is, there is absolutely no hope. Well, realistically, there's just no hope for you. So um, 
without him, you, you, we can't do anything without him. We don't do this podcast without him. We don't serve each other the way that we serve each other. You know, we're talking about these things and we're talking about how people do things for us and how we do things for other people. But the only reason we do this is because we got a revelation about who Jesus was and what he did for us. And we want to make sure that we represent him well by loving people around us. So if that's you today, and I don't care if you're backslidden, if you're not saved, whatever it is, I just want you to repeat this prayer with me. So that way you can embark on your own journey and you can go after your own, uh, your own relationship with Jesus. So I just want you to say, father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you today and I repent of my sin and I ask for you to fill me with the Holy spirit. And I make, I ask for you to be Lord and savior of my life in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. And, uh, if that's you, please reach out and let us know the inbox has been dry. And we don't want to make a statistic. We just want to know that we're reaching people and that you guys are getting this and that it's reaching and touching you. Um, Brandon, do you want to pray us out of here today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we've come together and we're able to debate and discuss your word. Hopefully we've left some people with encouragement and some faith and just being encouraged and instilled in your word. We hope that everything goes according to your plan, and we thank you for the progress that's been made so far and that continues to go. I give you all the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hey, join back in with us next week. We'll have another episode. Take care and God bless.